Hello, I'm Tiernan Ray, and you are listening to the Technology Letter Podcast for Monday, December 26th, 2022. Happy Boxing Day, if you're celebrating Boxing Day. If you're not, happy holidays wherever and however you may be celebrating this holiday season. Last week was a little bit of a reprieve for stocks, not quite as catastrophic as the week preceding. The NASDAQ Composite Index closed down just half a percent for the week, making it an 8.5% decline month to date. The Standard & Poor's 500 Index losing a fifth of a point, making that now a roughly 6% decline this month. If it feels worse than it actually is, some of that is explained by Bloomberg's Lu Huang, who notes that this year's decline in the S&P 500, 25% is on the low side as far as historical declines for the index, but it feels worse because the average duration of those declines is 2.3 days, which is the worst since 1977. I guess this is something like the wind chill factor for stock trading. Huang goes on to quote uh, one trade strategist, uh, Sean Cruz at TD Ameritrade. Cruz says, quote, there's less and less people willing to go out there and stick their necks out to try and buy on those pullbacks, unquote. Actually, fewer and fewer people because people are innumerable, but leaving aside the grammar, if it feels Worse than it is, it's because there is this very real element of the length uh, in which people are having to endure the downturns in the market, making people less and less willing to step in. Semiconductor stocks continue to lose altitude. I had noted before in October and November, chip stocks were one of the bright spots. Uh, The Philadelphia Semiconductor Index declined worse than the indices last week, down 2.5%. That's made the decline this month so far over 10% for the Philly, the benchmark index for chip stocks. The chip trade is off. It was strong. It was rebounding in October, November, and now it's given up all of that. And among the names that did the worst this past week were some of the best names in chip stocks. NVIDIA, Applied Materials, LAM Research, Wolfspeed. These are some of the names that have been the strongest uh, in past uh, on the positive side, the, the best performer up a couple percent this past week was a name you might not recognize, Azenta. I had to go and double check that myself, ticker AZTA. Azenta is actually one half of what had been Brooks Automation. So Brooks Automation is a longtime chip equipment vendor, and they split themselves in two about a year ago. They sold the chip equipment part proper to private equity, and they spun out as a new public company, the Azenta part. Azenta does stuff such as cold storage for biological samples. I'm not sure I entirely understand this. I'm not sure that Azenta should be in the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. It's really not a chip equipment company, Um, but there you go. Uh, Other top performers were IPG Photonics, which is a chip company. It's a maker of transceiver products that go into, a lot of it goes into servers, Uh, to move bits at fiber optic speeds, and Integris is uh, also another chip name that did very well last week. There was another bright spot in chips last week, but you might have missed it because it was wrapped in terrible news. So Micron Technology, the maker of DRAM and NAND memory chips, reported results for the November ending quarter, and those results were about um, as bad as expected, actually worse. 
Um, CEO Sanjay Mehrotra told analysts on the conference call this week regarding the outlook, he said, the company is navigating, quote, the most severe imbalance between supply and demand in both DRAM and NAND in the last 13 years, unquote. So markets such as personal computers and smartphones have been collapsing this year, and that has resulted in a glut of memory chips that Micron's customers now need to find something to do with in order to burn off all that excess inventory. And it's leading to depressed sales of DRAM and NAND and also really depressed pricing, uh, a, a significant deterioration in pricing in the latest quarter, according to Mayrotra. One silver lining here is Mehrotra told analysts that there's some areas that are doing well uh, or that will continue to do well into 2023. In particular, automotive is probably the healthiest area. Um, Mehrotra told the analysts that Micron's revenue for chips that go into cars was up 30% last quarter year over year. That's almost as good as what had been a record quarter for revenue from autos in the prior quarter, said Mayrocher, quote, the macro environment does create some uncertainty for the auto market, but we see robust growth in auto memory demand in fiscal 2023, unquote. He said the growth in demand for memory chips by the volume of bits sold will be double that of any other end market for DRAM and NAND for the next five years, according to Mayrocher. So, Cars, as they continue to acquire new abilities, uh, these fancy dashboards and the central stack of displays on the driver's side, seat back, video screens for the passengers, 5G connectivity from the car to um, tower, cell towers uh, in an electric vehicle, the whole drivetrain, powertrain going from the battery to the motor to the axles. All of this stuff adds more and more chips to cars. It is what Qualcomm's uh, CEO, uh, Cristiano Amon, has called a once-in-a-generation uh, development. So it's, it seems highly believable, uh, as May Rotre is saying, that automotive is just not cooling off as far as chip demand. So that's a bright spot, at least. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, the TL20 list of stocks to consider had a particularly rough week, down 6%, thanks once again to the terrible performance of Tesla, which for quite a while now, months now, has been the worst performer. Uh, it was down almost 20% last week, and it's now down almost 50% since the inauguration of the TL20 in mid-July. Um, it's just uh, an amazing slew of things terrible things that keep coming out about Tesla. So we had been at a point before where the focus was on Elon Musk wasting his time running Twitter, and that was weighing on the stock. Uh, then this past week, Musk took a poll. People said, the majority of people on Twitter said, we don't want you to be CEO. He said he would step down, find a new person to run that. That was good news. Uh, folks such as Wedbush analyst Daniel Ives noted this would be a major positive for Tesla, his stepping down. And yet at the same time, there continued to be cuts in, in estimates for how many cars Tesla may sell. Uh, we had Vijay Rakesh, for example, of Mizuho Securities this past week. He maintains a buy rating on the stock, but he cuts his price target 
from $330 to $285. He sees a challenging auto end market extending into 2023, driven by high interest rates, uh, energy, energy prices, and financing rates, all of these things affecting affordability of the cars. This is the sense I talked about before that uh, Tesla might be a bubble stock. Continuing to see all of these estimate cuts from many, many shop shops, despite the fact that uh, analysts are keeping uh, their ratings, for the most part, positive ratings, buy ratings, outperform ratings on Tesla stock that continue to cut their estimates. Uh, we also saw some uh, disturbing rumors this past week. One rumor about um, shutting down production in Shanghai at Tesla's factory there. Some dispute about whether that means anything. The China representative for Tesla saying, no, it was just planned retooling. Uh, it's, it's not uh, shutting down because of demand. Um, saw an uh, item in Electrek, is a trade pub online, reporter Fred Lambert writing that uh, according to unnamed sources, Tesla is going to begin a fresh round of layoffs this coming quarter, and it's told employees it's implementing a hiring freeze. Uh, and um, in addition to that, we also saw uh, some negative headlines about um, the Senate Finance Committee in the U.S. Uh, is opening an inquiry into whether Tesla and General Motors are using parts and materials made with forced labor uh, among the Uyghur uh, ethnic population in China's Shanchang region. Uh, the journal's Yuka Hayashi reports that a letter sent Thursday, the committee asked uh, the CEOs of eight car manufacturers to provide detailed information on their supply chains to help determine any links to Xianchang, where the U.S. government is alleged to use to force labor. Um, all of this is being received by some people as a buying opportunity. <laughs> Adam Jonas, who is the analyst at Morgan Stanley covering Tesla, writes that uh, Tesla's stock has shed $600 billion of market value in just three months. And uh, as the ambassador of EVs, this valuation decline, quote, raises questions for investment returns and capital formation across the sector. He thinks that ultimately the other companies are not catching up uh, to Tesla. And he views this pullback in Tesla shares as a buying opportunity and reiterates his overweight rating and $330 price target on Tesla shares. This is a little bit as I had written in past, Tesla still being in the pole position. $330, mind you, is well above the recent $123.15 of Tesla uh, at last trade. So um, I guess you'll have to figure out where you come down amidst all of these rumors. As far as I can see, Tesla continues to mop up the floor with competitors such as Rivian, Lucid Group, Faraday Future. None of these companies are able to match Tesla in terms of volume production. Uh, we'll see how this develops. In case you missed it, this past week I had an interesting interview with Absci, uh, a life sciences and AI company that's been around for about a decade. I interviewed founder and CEO Sean McLean while he was in town uh, at the satellite offices of Absci. Absci is based in Vancouver, British Columbia, but it also maintains an office in New York City where it has its AI team. Uh, the premise of this company is to use AI coupled with protein production to test uh, different proteins for their effect, their binding efficacy to antigens, and thereby find 
new kinds of cures uh, to change the way that drugs are developed. So the, the overarching promise here is, as, as McLean told me, quote, the exciting part is being able to be the first company to put a biologic, meaning an antibody, into humans that was designed on a computer, unquote. Said McLean, quote, we're going to look back on history and realize that that was one of the pivotal moments that changed our industry when we put a de novo antibody that was designed on a computer in humans, unquote. What is he talking about? So a decade ago, as part of his undergraduate research at University of Arizona, McLean had developed an ability and patented, later patented, an ability to develop billions of proteins in E. coli in a test tube. This was an incredible advance in the volume of proteins that could be developed in the lab in a single test tube. That meant there were many more antibodies to be able to run tests on. But the company's been waiting for a decade for something to be able to really do with that enormous production of proteins in a test tube. Well, they found the answer in AI, according to McLean. Today's AI, specifically the deep learning variant, can run many, many uh, simulations, simulating proteins as symbol combinations on the computer, and predict, yes, these are the proteins to test, or these are the proteins to try out, and then test them in the lab. So the AI sort of acts as an initial search system that can vastly cut down the number of trial runs that have to happen in the lab be much more efficient, much more economical. And um, the idea now is that the technology will come up with, in the, on the computer, the AI technology will come up with novel combinations of amino acids, treating them just as sets of symbols and running combinations in simulation, and then inform the wet lab how to run each of those possible variants of antibodies in the test tube. Uh, I expressed to McLean that this, while this sounds great, I've done a lot of coverage of life sciences using AI, and so far the promises have not paid off. You know, I and other journalists have been writing for years about how AI was gonna revolutionize life sciences. It just hasn't happened. There is no drug that has come through phase three clinical trials that can uniquely trace its success to AI. So when I said this to McLean, he, he was nodding and, and saying, indicating I, I know what you mean. He said to me, quote, we have shown fundamental advancements in the space and actually showing, yes, this technology does what they say it can do. That should translate into increased clinical success, but we're not there yet, he said. He describes the entire industry as being at early innings. So. Absi, ticker ABSI, is a company that will have maybe $9 million in revenue this year, not profitable by any means, but they have numerous deals, including three drug development deals with Merck, uh, and 10 drug development deals in total. If any of these things pay off, well, first, they get paid milestone payments uh, in the tens of millions over, over the years, and if any of these things pay off in the clinic, it could mean hundreds of millions in revenues down the line. Uh, you know, highly speculative as many life science investments are. Um, chances of success, I don't think we even know how to measure the chances of success at this point. If you want to take a sort of a flyer on this, an outside bet, an option on success, you could consider buying Absi uh, and sort of sticking along for the journey, seeing how it goes. At $2.17 a share, Absi stock will not set you back much. Uh, at 
this point. This coming week is a quiet week, obviously, as we await the end of the year and an abbreviated week with Monday's close. There will be some interesting interviews on the technology letter. I had an interview with CEO of Juniper Networks, Rami Rahim. He's been there for about eight years and he's in the process of changing the company. It was a company that was mainly selling networking equipment to telecommunications providers, to phone companies, and also to cloud computing operators. But now it is increasingly selling into enterprise and Rahim predicts that in, in, within the coming years, the company's business will entirely be, uh, not entirely, will be majority enterprise sales. So selling to the enterprise, uh, really a new business for the company that's taking over its, its business and may change the financial profile of the company. So Juniper Networks, one to watch. Also, I talked with Gil Schwed. Gil Schwed is the founder and CEO of Checkpoint Software Technologies which has been around for a couple decades now, um, uh, an amazing company, highly profitable company, not the dominant name in firewalls, but a very solid company that always is a favorite of investors. Gil and I talked about um, the technology roadmap and what he intends for it, more than we talked about finances because they're in a quiet period. But if you're interested in hearing how Gil Schwed thinks about his business, Check that one out later this week as well. Uh, I also had a technology perspective on AI this week. I was covering a debate on Friday night as people were getting set to go off for their Christmas uh, holiday weekend. I was covering the AI Debate 3, which is a debate featuring numerous, over a dozen scholars debating the topic of artificial general intelligence. This is whether a computer can ever equal human ability in many reasoning tasks. This is organized by Gary Marcus, who is Emeritus Professor of Psychology from NYU and is a gadfly. He's a fellow who constantly pokes holes in the hype about AI. He got together this great discussion of uh, scholars, it lasted for three and a half hours on Friday evening. And I wanted to point out in particular one very interesting contribution by a gentleman named Kaifu Lee. Kaifu Lee has been a Google executive, a Microsoft executive, an Apple executive. He's well known in AI circles for making real contributions to AI engineering for years now. He's now a venture capitalist. He has a firm called Sinovation Ventures. He's written a book recently that's called AI 2041, well worth considering purchasing. Uh, I really um, am enjoying reading it. Uh, in that book, he is largely very positive, as you might expect for someone who's been developing AI, thinking through positive possibilities for AI to help humanity. However, in Friday's discussion, he offered, in the spirit of a debate, to, quote, debate myself, as he put it, to offer the negative, potential negative side of AI, potential dangers. Um, the large overview on, on the danger here is externalities, as he puts them. Externalities might be thought of as unintended consequences. So, for example, he's talking about unintended consequences of AI running rampant. And he says, in past, quote, I could either think of algorithms or at least imagine technological solutions to the externalities created by AI programs. But now I am stuck because I can't easily imagine a simple solution for the AI-generated misinformation as specifically targeted misinformation that's powerful commercially. What is he talking about? He's talking about Amazon, Google, Facebook, um, any of these large giants who dominate AI production intentionally putting out their um, 
text, putting out images that will confuse individuals, mislead them for the sake of commercial uh, benefit. Um, he says, quote, large companies want us to look at products, look at content and click and watch and become addicted. And the next generation of products will be susceptible to simply the power of capitalism and greed that startup companies and VCs, venture capitalists, will fund activities that will generate tremendous wealth, disrupt industries with technologies that are very hard to control, and will make, quote, the large giants, uh, unquote, companies that control AI even more powerful. Also, in addition, non-state actors and other parties that are deliberately, maliciously acting to connive against humanity, they will have an even easier time of wielding AI as it becomes more accessible. He posits the possibility of, quote, Cambridge Analytica on steroids, unquote. So a very sobering view from a fellow who is very knowledgeable and well-regarded in AI about the potential dangers of AI. That is in the write-up uh, on ZDNet that I did. So worth checking out and reading that. Uh, you don't have to read the entire 6,500 words of the record of the debate. Just focus in on the part about Kai-Fu Lee in particular. I think it's pretty interesting. Thanks to all who have signed up so far for the technology letter uh, subscribing. I appreciate so much your support. And if you are thinking about getting a gift for that special someone as the new year uh, draws nigh, I would suggest to you that the technology letter subscription could be a wonderful uh, surprise, unexpected gift to that special someone. So keep it in mind, the technology letter, uh, only $30 a month for all the great content on the site. In the meantime, thank you for tuning into the Technology Letter Podcast. Have a happy, healthy, and safe week, and I'll see you on the other side.